0: Hello, everybody. This is Tony Ruggiero here. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening to The Tour Coach. We're rolling through another crazy summer right now, another crazy season. There's lots of golf, lots of guys playing, lots of camps, lots of retreats, lots of travel. You know what that means? It means lots of great content coming to you. So thank you whether you're a golf instructor like so many folks that reach out and listen to this podcast or you're an aspiring golfer, somebody just loves learning about the game, loves learning about how to get better, Thanks for taking the time to listen to The Tour Coach because we've got lots of great content coming for you. Okay, And if you like The Tour Coach, you're going to love Pro Work on YouTube. I want to remind all of you, if you haven't seen it, go to Bushnell Golf on YouTube or go to at the Dew Sweeper on my YouTube channel and listen to, watch Inside the Ropes, Behind the Scenes with myself, Colby Touye, Mark Hackett, and a host of others and you'll see what it's like to be a player of all different abilities and watch how our team approach goes behind the scenes inside the ropes to find out exactly what the magic that your golf swing needs to pick up 10, 15, 20 yards or lower your handicap or get all the way out onto the PGA Tour. It's all there for you on Pro Work, just like it is here on the Tour Coach. So thanks for listening. We've got some great content coming. We've got some great discussions, some great roundtables, and some great guests coming your way this summer and this season here on the Tour Coach. And I couldn't do this Tour Coach without the following sponsors. They've been loyal to me. I'm loyal to them. I think it's one of the missing things in instruction and in our world, people that stick together. And I think that's why we've all had so much success I've got to thank the folks at Bushnell Golf for their support and their sponsorship of this show, my teaching, as well as the Pro Work Series, Vineyard Vines and the folks there, unbelievable. They keep all the dew sweepers looking good, myself as good as you can, and all of the folks at our retreats, and especially Shrixon and Cleveland Golf, Chip Holcomb, Eddie Dry, and all of the folks there. I mean, we couldn't do without it. It's over 20 years I've been with Shrixon Cleveland Golf. I'm not going anywhere without that mason Brang and the folks over there in california take such good care of us they've got the best product that you can find anywhere so the special thanks to strict cleveland golf and then finally my good friend mitch mcconnell and the folks at mcconnell automotive buick gmc here in mobile and buick gmc for sponsoring the radio and everything that we've been going on for all of these years so we've got great sponsors we've got great partners And we're going to give you great content that's going to help all of you play better, enjoy the game better, or understand how to teach it and communicate it better. Sit back, get yourself a beverage, and enjoy The Tour Coach. And then when you get a chance, go check out Pro Work on my YouTube. You'll be glad you did. All right. So joining me here on The Tour Coach is my good friend and one of the great instructors in the game from out in Los Angeles, California. I've gotten to see him more in the last couple months, probably than I have in the last few years for sure. And we're going to see each other going to teach it again in Philly coming up in a few weeks, Mr. Brady Riggs, Brady, what is up, bud?
1: Tony, you are my man. And uh, it's always nice to reconnect with the Southern guy. Uh, Got to see you at LA. That was awesome at the open. We're just hanging in Florida you know I always become a better teacher when I get to hang out with you and I think that we feel feel likewise about that we learn so much from each other
0: well you know that's kind of what I wanted to talk about um you know just you know see where it takes us but I we we meant to do this uh, I wanted to do it while we were together down at Old Palm last week but heck you know having all those folks in town and working all day and then trying to run and grab dinner and then I have too much wine all those things Makes it difficult to get the podcast done. So I said, you know what? We'll just sit on the phone here. But, uh, you know, I've always thought, um, you know, that two heads are better than one or that, you know, I've always thought that anytime you can get an opinion from somebody that sees things, you know, in a similar manner, but comes like comes to it from a different way is healthy for helping a student and you know i just have a blast you know the and i think it's one of the reasons i like teaching down there at old palm with hack so much is you know you know he'll sit there and watch and then you'll just start talking and and he comes at it from a different view but you know i love the opportunity when we've had the uh, had the chance to to do some teaching together i think it's healthy as a teacher and i also think it's a huge benefit for the instructor
1: I couldn't agree more. I think when I was younger, of course, thinking I knew everything, whatever, and I didn't know much, I would have felt like anybody who had a different opinion was wrong, <laughs> and I think as you know, we get further along in the business, we realize we don't know nearly as much as we thought we did, and the smarter we get, the more we want to hear other opinions, because we want to steal from those teachers that we know are successful. And it's just great hanging out because you do come at it differently than I do. And I, I love that, you know, you've got fitness involved and how you're using bands and strength work to, to change things. Uh, I think it's such an advantage. And I wish I would have been smarter, younger and asked for help sooner because I think it would have been better off.
0: Well, I think the other thing too is, um, you know, I, I think all of us to an extent, like, you know, I, I've obviously over the last decade, seven years to decade, you know, I think we're molded by like the people that were around right every day. Sure. And certainly, um, you know, I look at where I started early in my career with Hank and, and then Wayne so much. And, you know, that was like a huge influence on my teaching. And then as you know, in the last decade, uh, you know, starting to do stuff with Colby and, and, and Morgan and now Aaron, uh, you start, you know, you, and you start seeing how that helped make folks, uh, you know, especially like, look, let's face it. Like we're, we're always looking with tour guys for anything that's going to help keep us from getting fired for a month. Right. And you start seeing numbers change and get better speed go up and you started seeing people learn things faster. I was like, okay, I've gone down that road, but, and, And I've had, you know, knock on wood, I haven't messed anybody up too dang bad. And it's helped me and it's become a big part of my teaching, understanding the body. But like to me, you know, with your background, I think, you know, you start doing that all the time. And sometimes like it's just human nature, I think, to be a little myopic, like where you look at things the same way. So to me, it's refreshing to bring somebody that you know is great at what they do, that you trust a tremendous amount. Has the student's best interest at heart, isn't trying to become famous off of helping somebody, all of those things. I think it's really healthy to share videos, ideas, and thoughts. And then the other part too is like, I think it's okay, and we could use more of this, like to be able to say, hey, it's okay for people to have different views or different ideas about ways to get things. And it doesn't mean either person's wrong.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's the difference. That's the shift, I think, as a teacher. There's more than one way to teach somebody right? and to help them become good. And there's probably more than one way to fix certain parts of the swing. And I think we get really good at fixing it the way that works for us, right? right. Because we fix players that way. So you end up like, well, this is how I fix that. But there may be somebody else that's equally good fixing it a different way mm-hmm. that you never thought of. And it's possible, and I'd say more than likely, that if you could do both, you'd probably get to more players and help them faster, even though you're really good at doing it your way. No question. And I think that's the benefit of being with somebody who's successful as a teacher, looking at a similar problem and watching them do it differently and go, wow, okay, that, that really worked. I mean, I just remember being in the Bay with you this last trip, and we were talking about you know, a, a path problem. Mm-hmm. and you had a student, you know, had the bands on the legs, and I wouldn't have gone about it that way, you know, and and you're working on speed, and the second that you had the bands on and you are working with them, instantly the path got better, and he hit it further. I was like, wow, that was, that was really cool, and it wasn't an opinion. We saw it, you know, based on right. the numbers come on off track, man, and I would not have gone that route, and it made me think, man, I, I should probably be looking more in that direction too because that was very effective. And while my way might work too, why isn't there a better way? Why can't I learn that one?
0: Yeah, but you know, like, too, though, so, like, we had another student where, you know, the, the path, uh, you know, was a younger girl, um, super, you know, talented, but the, you know, the club was too much out to in, And, mm-hmm. you know, I've gotten, you know, I obviously teach a lot of pivot and, you know, using a lot of the bands trying to change path and different things with with the body mechanics and, and you laid a stick down there. Right. And I had this flashback. I was like, man, I heck I've done that before. And it instantly helped. Right. And, uh, you know, where you had the, the stick at an angle and showed her where, and I think that goes to, to the point though, that like, you know, there's a lot of different ways to fix people. And the more, you know, our old friend, Mike Adams always talks about having more tools in the toolbox. Right. And I think the more, and, and that's what to me teaching with different people that that are great is about. Is like sometimes, like to me, Brady. Sometimes it isn't. So, you do something that's radically new. I've never thought of. It's just like I've forgotten to use the dang thing in a while. Yeah, right. That's
1: true. That's so true. I mean, I think that's you get you sort of get in in a direction right with some momentum, and then that's the only way you're going to mm-hmm. because you've been on that train and it's like, wow, I used to fix that this way. That also worked. Yeah. You know, maybe I should do that a little bit more. That's the great thing about And I think why we still love teaching is we're always learning and we know that we can get better. You know, it's like golf. I mean, we all of us think that we can play better. We can all think we can hit it better, putt better. So we're constantly stretching ourselves to try and find that place. That's just better technically to help us become better players. And I don't, think that teaching's any different than that I think we all want to become better and, and get things done quicker and make it easier on the student try to explain it in a more simple way and find the best way to build the mousetrap and' it's, it's such an advantage having you know with, with with hack there and you there myself we had we, we just had so many brains working on the same problem and it was really fun. I just really enjoy it. I always do.
0: No it was a ton of fun and, and I think one of the things that is a little unique about the way the stuff was structured. And and I think I've, you know, and I've picked up a bunch of this over the years from you is like, you know, it's one thing to make people swing better. And, and, I mean, you and I have had many a beer and many a conversation about, you know, numbers and making things look good in a Petri dish and teaching in a Petri dish. Um, It's another thing to help people do it on the golf course. Right, and so you know, over the years of our friendship and and you know watching you and the success you've had and 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 then watching what tour players do i've I think it's important to teach people how to practice has been a big part of of things that i've you know I've tried to do and and helping them understand that, and I thought that that was a really cool part of what we did with these folks this weekend was. You know, I mean, sometimes it's just teaching somebody how to practice it, and more importantly, how to apply stuff they're doing and figuring out how to get around the golf course.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. You know, if you look at putting, which I was, I did the last day, and that was cool. That was cool to me. Yeah, it was great because I didn't touch a, a single stroke out there. I did not touch anybody's stroke. You know, all I did was I set up different. You know, I set up the putting plate so they could start it on the line. I taught them how to use that, what to look for, kind of how to set it up three steps from the fringe uphill and straight, so you're only working on the distance, not putting towards the hole with the plate out. And, and why, why do you golf. do that?
0: If you know, for, for, for you know, because we got a lot, we got a lot of teachers listening to this. We've also <laughs> got a lot of golfers. That obviously, if they're listening to you and I, or they're up early. I mean, they're, they want to get better. Why do you do it without a hole? I, I love that aspect of it. And and I think folks would benefit from this.
1: Well, I kind of think it's, it's similar to why sometimes working indoors at a studio or into a net is the best way to work on mechanics, because if you don't see the result, you're not judging your progress based on the result. You can actually get better quicker, I think. So when I've got a plate down, I'm working with a student on their on their mechanics, or just telling I just want you to start this ball online. That's all I care about. And we, I usually go three steps from the fringe because about a nine footer. I like that length of stroke to work on, and no hole there. They're just working on the distance that they're hitting it. Now their only goal is get it through the gate. That's the only goal. I don't care if it goes in a hole or not because we're not putting to one. But then they can focus on that. And I think it's really important that people don't blend working technically on something with looking at a result Mm. those two things are often contradictory so if i tell you know i tell students all the time if you're going to practice with the stick down on the range it tells me that you're working on your technique your mechanic you might even be working on your aim but it tells me that you're in a conscious space where you're thinking technically a little bit if you pull the stick away now i want to see a routine i want to see a target i want you to visualize a shot that now is a results oriented practice and i think with putting I put the plate down so people can warm up, working on their mechanics, get it started through the gate. And then I want them to do a combine, which I did a three foot, six foot, nine foot combine. So that now I want to see the full routine. I want you to use the line on the ball. If you do that, I want you to mark it. I want you to take the number of practice strokes you take. And I want you to keep score because now we're, we're doing a game. We want to see results come out. And I really try to structure structure practice in terms of either it's technique oriented or it's result oriented. And I want the student to be able to define those spaces because I really think people hold themselves back by trying to do them at the same time.
0: Unbelievable point. And I, I think you'd be proud of me for this thing. I'm going to tell the story. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. So, the young girl I teach making her pro debut mm-hmm. is uh, on the uh, for an LPGA pro start this week. And I shared nice. some v- videos with you over the weekend. And, anyways. And, you know, I kept saying, man, like, you know, your golf swings, you know, to me is looking better and better. Right. I mean, and, and yeah, I'm just watching videos, watched a couple of FaceTimes and, you know, but I'm getting, oh, this ball's going left. It's going left. It's going, you know, it's terrible. And, and, and I, I asked her, you know, one, I had her go do a ball count and put 20 balls down and then another pile of 20 and then a third pile of 20 and so you wouldn't couldn't just race through hitting right. Just keep hitting balls till you thinking you're going to find what you're hitting. And I and I had her break. You know the first twenty I had her do. You know a kind of a drill where she turned to the back, stopped, and then turned through to clean up some sequence. Uh, you know and it's something else on the second, and then and then on the third was just I said I want you to you know put a stick down for aim, and I want you to put another stick on the target line out there, and I just want you to. I just want you to hit big hooks and big fades, hmm. you know, and then cause we haven't been able to start it online and haven't been able to control the curve. And then I FaceTime today and, and I just said, you know, Hey, I want you to, all right, you know, well, they're all starting left. They're all starting left and they're not drawing. Okay. Well you got to get the face. Then if, then the face isn't square to that, to that path or isn't, you know, slightly close to that path. So you got to do more of that. And by the end, we hit a bunch of really good shots. Now I don't know what, you know, what anybody's going to shoot this week, but I thought it was I thought about you after I was done. I was like, cause you know, I think sometimes we try to make the golf swing perfect Brady for them, right? Like they're in a tournament, sure. they're struggling. You and I coached Brandon Hagee some together for a while. Like, like, you know, everybody wants it to be perfect. And and I think that there's a lesson in there for sometimes like it doesn't need to be perfect to win a golf tournament or to be competitive or to play good golf. And we've also known people that have really swings that we'd say are almost perfect that can't break an egg.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think what you just described, What it sounds like try to get players before they go to a tournament to be on the range with me. And I have these really cool, two tall pine trees, totally maybe mm-hmm. a hundred yards out and, and each one of them has like the left side of the pine has this weird hole in it, you know, where it's kind of like you can see through to the 200 sign and then the right side looks like an L. Mm-hmm. And so I'll have players curve it through those spaces, you know, and then the top of the pines are really tall. So I'll say, hey, what club do you think you can hit over those from here? And then they'll have to hit it over that. And then I want them to hit a draw around the right side. It just, I want them to get into a creative space before they go play an event. So they can be hitting shots instead of sitting on the range with me with you know, a video or a launch monitor and trying to be perfect. Like you said, I just, I don't think people play well perfect. I think people play well when they're using their imagination and they're able to kind of get the shot to do basically what they had intended. Mm-hmm. And that often isn't a perfect swing, you know? I mean, I'd rather see a guy come in if we were using a launch monitor. I'd rather see him three, three left face, six left path, hitting a big cut than sitting on zeros and ones and having no idea which way it was going to go at any moment you know? Mm-hmm. So I just, I want that creative mind at work and I want people to be playing golf. And in practice, I want them to be playing also yeah. so that they're not just so caught up in what it looks like at P3. Who cares?
0: Yeah. yeah I, and I, and I think that's a lesson for people when it comes to performance and is, you know, uh, you said so good about the putting, you know, like, Hey, we're not putting it a hole. Cause we're not, we're not, trying to make putts we're not keeping score this is about mechanics and you've got to do the same when it comes to your full swing Um, talk a little bit about I I, I want to get into the combines because I love your combines I share them with folks that really want to get good that want to learn how to practice Uh, I think it's really good for helping people transfer talk a little bit about those let's kind of talk about what you did you know I thought it was an interesting group too cuz we had you know five really good young players we also had four really good adults that really wanted to get good all single digit good you know pretty close scratch um you know one was a hair hire, but like how did you structure their practice when they were out there and how did you use combines to help them get better
1: great question so i think the combines are really interesting because each player, a different set of expectations based on their skill level, but the combine is so simple that everybody can do it. So let's say a putting combine is what we call three, six, nine, and that's five different holes on the green, and you put simply a three footer, a six footer, and a nine footer on those five different holes, so you have 15 total putts, five from each distance. And we know on tour that a three footer is about ninety nine percent, a six footer is about sixty-six percent, and a nine footer is a little less than fifty. So if you added up the tour averages on those fifteen putts, you'd get to ten as a par. And so I'll have players do that combine, mixing up which putt they start with, the breaks, all that stuff, but they keep score, you know, they keep track, and it's really amazing how many really good players get sixes and sevens on that drill. Mm-hmm. And it's not what you'd expect and then I had one of the kids pulled off an 11 on that trail That was great. I mean that was <laughs> the highest score I had right so it was better than better than everybody else And and that kid wasn't as good as as a lot of those players So I think people sometimes look for love in all the wrong places in golf They think oh, I got to hit it further, you know, but a combine tells you this is where you are right now with your ability to make putts from nine feet and in and you can do it two or three or four times and you could get a pretty good clue as to wow okay I'm not I'm maybe not as good at those as I think I am maybe that's a little more relevant to my scoring than me trying to hit it 15 yards further and then you might get somebody who thinks they're a bad putter and really they're not that bad they just think they should make everything because they don't understand the data and they get tens and elevens repeatedly on that drill. And it's like, hey, look, you're a good putter. You're you're right on the PGA tour average. You're doing great. You know, and that helps them maybe take it easier on themselves and understand they're gonna miss some putts from those distances. So the combines are truth. You know? They're truth. They actually are saying this is where you are. And in a lot of ways, it's really not you don't get that in, in a golf lesson that often because you're looking at mechanics that maybe aren't very good that kind of work. And then the student's like, yeah, but I'm hitting good shots. But, you know, that's not going to help them get better. Or you made a change that's really productive, but they're not hitting good shots and they don't want to stick with it. But the combine just offers you a chance to see a real unvarnished view of where you are and to work on it and see progress. Because if you do them all the time, you're going to get much better at them. It's, it's just that simple. One of the things I told all the kids was I said, look, if you want to get good at something, do it 30 minutes a day for 30 days in a row. (laughs) If you do something 30 minutes a day for 30 days in a row, I promise you you're going to be a lot better at it than when you started. And it's that consistency that I want to see.
0: Yeah. And and again, I mean, don't you agree? I, I think you'll agree with this, but the majority of golfers that come see us, even the most of the really good ones are high and level ones. Don't do the same thing every day, all the time, and, or mm-hmm. and, and or pay what. And I I would venture to say that like is you, but if you went to the very elite, like the top fifty players in the world, there's probably a big difference between the consistency of what they do every day versus the people that are two hundred in the world.
1: I couldn't agree more, Tony. I saw it, I, you know, I'm working with Danielle Kang again, right? and we worked together for years way back in the day when she was winning US amateurs and she's just such a talented player. It's just scary how good mm-hmm. she is. But one of the things she does that I find really interesting is before she gets on the range every day and in a tour event, whether it's a round that counts or not, and her caddy walks out and puts cones down at 30, 50, 70, 90, and 110 yards. And she always warms up on those numbers. And she hits different wedges to each of the cones to give her some different trajectories and feels. And it's just a routine that she does every single day when she practices. And she's remarkably good from those numbers. And it's that consistency of working on her distances with those intermediate wedges that makes her such a great intermediate wedge player. It's not a mystery. There's no technical thing here. She just does it all the time. And she she's really good at it. So because she does those numbers, 30, 50, 70, 90, 110, if she gets a number that's in between somewhere, she's super comfortable. That's just a little further than my 70 here or it's a little shorter than my 110, you know? The wind's changing, I'm going to hit this one cuz I can hit this wedge a little lower to that number. I mean, it seems like such a silly simple thing to do, but it's that consistency and discipline that makes you great at something.
0: Yeah, and I, I remember um you know, Rick Lamb, one of my uh, one of the mm-hmm. young guys uh that I teach, Corn Ferry, tour status, and he, he's uh you know, he's become friends with from where uh with Paul Lazinger and I've had the opportunity a couple of times to hang out with them at, at a US Open and at a Corn Ferry event and, you know, talking about you know, so Rick does this thing where he 30, hits thirty, forty, fifty yard shots, carries right, and he knows exactly that. And you know, Paul talks about that. Like, well, if you know what a thirty, a forty, and a fifty yard shot and how to hit it, like, well, think you know, and it's about like how many times you get that, and and not very many people practice and know exactly how far to ca- how that carries, right? But like, you think about how many how many times you get it and how many opportunities. That does to save a stroke, whether it's get up and down on a par five for birdie or you've got to punch out and you've got a 50 yard shot. Like, again, though, it's to putting the time in and committing to doing those shots and knowing how far that carry is and knowing what you do. And, uh, you know, and to me nowadays, too, with the wide range of launch monitors out there that aren't that expensive, obviously we use Launch Pro a lot. And from Bushnell, but like the, they're easier to practice than they ever have been, like when you and I were coming up.
1: Totally. I mean, and you could do something super simple like put a cone out there, you know, right. get your laser in your hand, walk out, throw a cone down, laser your bag, you know, how far you are. Simple, you know, you can use a launch monitor, you can use track band range if your range has it. I mean, there's so many ways to work on simple things like distance but people generally don't do that they they are they're they're working on areas that are not going to really fundamentally help them score better they, they're looking for distance with the driver they're they're you know sometimes i see players out there and they're like i need to learn how to draw this four like <laughs> you don't need to draw your four- you know, it's just, in our lifetime you're not really going to have that situation happen more than three times and if you can't draw it just punch it out and hit it on the green you know, like they're just they're not working on the right stuff and they don't train it in a way that's productive. They're blending mechanics and results. They're 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 looking for something that is some magic move and a swing that they couldn't do even if there was a magic move and there isn't one and and it's why people really struggle to score and they don't enjoy the game as much as they could because they're working on the wrong stuff. And I, I'm like you, Tony, I still love to play and I want to go out and play well when I play and I know I know that for me to do that I need to be more consistent. I need to make better decisions and I need to have a little more control and I can get all those things. If I practice the, the right way, as much as I'd love to hit it further, that's not going to make much of a difference for me.
0: Well, I mean, you know, another aspect of this weekend that I thought was fantastic was having Zach Zucker there with us, obviously plays sure. at a high level playing great golf. Um, uh, yeah, Tom Lovelady has been with us a few times and, but, uh, uh, Zach's perspective about playing really bad for 18 months to two years and being willing to admit to you and I sitting at dinner that it started because he was chasing a speed number that he thought he had to get to mm. and how he realizes now going back to what he did, I mean, you know, he, with technology and the things he hits it plenty far.
1: Yeah, boy, that was a that was a big conversation. I mean, that just It was deep. It, it was deep, man. I mean, you just feel you feel the frustration and probably some pain on his part that he that he went down that road and also he's grateful that he's coming back on the other side of it now, you know, and and realizing he doesn't need those things, but you know, I think sometimes players they have to make their own mistakes which is tough to watch, especially when you care about somebody like that. You know, you want them to do well and try and maybe talk them out of it if he would talk to you about it. But I think, you know, most amateurs out there are, they're not gonna, they're not stubborn about what they need to do. They just need to hear the right stuff, you know? And as, as coaches, we've got to make sure that we're helping them organize their entire golf game from, you know, the driver to pre-shot routine to hitting bunker shots and how to practice and all those things. and if we can do that, they'll play better. They really were, they really will, without having to do a crazy amount of technical work on rebuilding something. You know, a lot of them hit enough good shots to score better. If they could just change it a little bit and practice better, man, they get better results.
0: I would venture to say that, like most everybody listening to you and I, would get dramatically better if they figured out like the two things they need to do to hit their good shot, no matter what level they are. And they were very structured, and they just worked on those two things, like you said, every day. And then the rest of their practice and time was dedicated to performance and understanding where their strokes go, addressing those, and then some sort of practice like your combine orama, where it really, you know, where they're keeping score, put some pressure on them. There's consequences, and it tests them. Like I think that it, I think that improved performance is way less about improving mechanics, and way more about learning to perform.
1: Boy, I don't think it, a truer statement has ever been said. If you can't do it under the gun, it doesn't matter, right? You've got to be able to do it when it counts. That's everything. And I think you can train that. And I think people don't feel enough pressure when they're practicing, in my opinion. I think they don't put themselves in those situations that are making them nervous. And I try to, I try to make people uncomfortable all the time because – If we're trying to change something and you can do it without pressure. And then I put a little pressure on you, you fall apart and you don't own it yet. We've got to keep working on it. Well,
0: and what you said there too, like you can train it. And, and I don't know that the majority of folks really understand that they can train themselves to get better. Mm. And that the reason they haven't gotten better is because they haven't trained themselves. You know, I mean, like how many people do we sit and watch? I mean, I mean, I mean the range you're at, I mean, you see folks come down, I'm sure. And they hit a ball, they hit another ball. I mean, they just like they're, they're exercising, but they're not practicing.
1: No, Far from it. They're, they're not practicing. I, I think it's incredible when you put somebody in a combine and you see them thinking about it all of a sudden, right? They're thinking mm-hmm. about the shot and they're like, and then I'll, put a negative on let's say you can't miss right at that flag or it's minus five points or whatever it is and all of a sudden you know they're thinking okay i got it why i don't want to go right here you know they're never thinking like that on the range usually mm-hmm. they think that way on the golf course all the time and instead of thinking i want to go left here you know i'm going to hit it over there their normal bad thought processes of i don't want to go there you know whatever i do don't slice it'll be here those things are in their head and you can make people crack on the range, even though it's a range. And I think, you know, once they understand that they have to train themselves out of that space on how to think better, how to do a better process, how to commit to something, then they can actually get better on the course that will translate over. But just hitting good shots on the range doesn't really do it for you on the golf course. If when you get out there, you're only thinking about what you don't want and you haven't really worked on it to know that you can execute under pressure. And I think that's the biggest thing people struggle with, and why they can't go from the practice team to the first tee.
0: Agree, one hundred percent. And um, I mean, I just think that there is so much good info here, and, and you know, helping folks of all. I, and, and again, I think I thought an interesting point this weekend was Mike, the hockey player. I mean, there yes. is we had a bunch of good players, but man, there weren't many people that wanted it more than him, right? You're right. And, you know, I'm always when we have one of these weekends, I always every now and then have this fear like. Did people get enough? Right. Like, sure. uh, and, and you know, he when he I thought it was interesting when he was talking to you, I heard y'all talking about like his old hockey practices, how it reminded him of how he was brought up old hockey practices. I know you do you've coached so much, not only great golf, but a lot of soccer over the years. Yes. Right? And I thought that was an interesting perspective because I do think the way people practice and try to get better at golf and teaching golf isn't necessarily the way people that have been really good at other sports have worked at things and tried to do things.
1: You're right. Spot on. Like that that, that accountability that you have in a team space Is usually done by the coach or teammates you know that that they're expecting you to bring it and step up and you're organized in your training but in golf we're all on our own you know nobody's really watching nobody's accountable you know i've coached college golf i did that with my oldest Mm -hmm. daddy as you know for, for six years and i tried to hold them accountable in their training you know i wanted to see that they were doing the work and i wanted them to write it down i wanted them to get the most out of it and i think you know having like guys like Mike around that this guy, he he just wants the info, you know, he's just thirsting for the knowledge and willing to put the time and effort in and asking great questions. And I think if people just had a framework for how they could, they were supposed to train, they'd get better. And I think, you know, a lot of us as teachers probably we teach for the time that we're with them and then we send them on their way and and we just have to do a better job of making sure they understand how to go get better in the, in the vast amount of time that they're going to be spending on their own. You know, if, they, if we don't give them
0: that, how can they get better? And and ultimately, I think that's what folks come to us. I mean, I know there's people that just come to you that chase and speed and all of that sure. stuff. And I, and I, you know, I get, I, I know people get mad at me sometimes, and I'm probably a little bit of a jerk sometimes. <laughs> but like, you, you yep. can make anybody's speed number look good on Instagram and on a launch monitor, but that yeah. doesn't mean you're a better player.
1: You're right. <laughs> and Zach could attest to that, right? I mean he yeah. he had that happen to him. He was sitting there further and he wasn't playing any better, he's playing worse.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Brady, it's been awesome. Man, and first of all, it's just been fun having you come east and hanging out a little bit.
1: <laughs> Man, it's great. I love the south, Tony. You know, I love I love being there with you. I always have a great time.
0: I don't have an, have an accent, do I? Guy. Do I have Not an accent?
1: All. Not at all. Not at all. Not even close. Well I'm coming being out with Mark down there. <laughs> at Old Palm what a great place
0: that's super place. super spot we're going to have fun in Philly I'm coming west out to LA mid-August for a few days to do some teaching so hopefully we'll get the chance to have some dinner hang out you're going to be sick of me by, by the time we're done with this
1: that's not possible Tony not possible we're going to have a great time I probably we might even help somebody along the way
0: maybe let's not get ahead of ourselves it's Possible. Bet, buddy you're the best look forward to catching up in a couple weeks
1: you got it man can't wait
0: I hope you enjoyed this edition of the tour coach and this conversation that we brought to you about playing, learning, and teaching the game of golf. We'll be back next week with another edition of the tour coach in between now and next week. Make sure you follow us on our social channels. You can always find me at The Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to our YouTube page where you'll see a scene and a video from my teachings daily on our YouTube channel. You can find that by looking up Tony Ruggiero and The Dew Sweepers on YouTube. Until then, make sure you follow and check out Everything Tour Coach and all our sponsors, Srixon Cleveland Golf, Bushnell, Vineyard Vines, and Buick GMC. I'll be back next week to help all of us appreciate, learn, and enjoy the game of golf.